0: Welcome to Crawl Space.
1: I'm Tim, here today with Lance. What's up, Lance? What is going on? How is everything going over there in your neck of the woods?
0: Oh, it's snowing right now, Lance, and uh, maybe the perfect time to play a conversation with our buddy, James McMahon. James is an interesting fellow. He writes about true crime. He writes about music and sometimes Bigfoot and uh, cryptids or things like that, which... uh, you know, is kind of where I was really trying to direct this conversation constantly.
1: You were doing a great job trying to steer the conversation in the uh, Bigfoot <laughs> direction. But uh, no, James just uh, starts talking and, and we just let it go. Right. We just let the uh, his narrative kind of direct us. And uh, we end up with a really uh, thought provoking um, fun and, uh, you know, at times kind of important conversation. But overall, just a great, great time to hang back and and. But overall, just a, a great way to kick back and listen to a cool conversation with a cool guy. Absolutely, and make sure to check out James's
0: work. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at James Jam McMahon, and his last name is spelled M C M A H O N. He writes a lot of articles, so you want to check those out. And he also has a mailing list called Spook that is very fun and uh he'll send you some really interesting stuff right to your inbox so you can check that out at tinyletter.com slash spook and that's spook with three o's
1: he's also got a pretty cool website jamesjammcmahon.com so it's james and then j-a-m-m-c-m-a-h-o-n.com and uh you can check out all of his past works including that spook link that you were mentioning there tim and uh Really, again, you'll the the once you open up his homepage, you'll just see how fun of a guy this is. He's sitting there with Nick Cave. He's sitting there with Kiss.
0: And this is now the second time we've spoken to James. Uh, you'd have to scroll back, I don't know, a good year, year and a half, or something like that, to find his first appearance, which um, is probably one of the longer episodes in Crawl Space history, Lance, um, because we just kind of it's just kind of easy to talk to him, you know, and it's interesting. So we just kind of let it go. So really, hope you enjoy this one.
1: And also on his fine website, you'll see a link for the OCD Chronicles. And I'm sure if people are familiar with James, they know that he does suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. And he is an advocate for people who have this, uh, what he calls a terrible debilitating disorder and uh, often routinely misunderstood. Uh, On his website, he has a, a section called the OCD Chronicles. Click on that and learn as much as you can about this disorder. And just a quick note about this interview, you might notice that I sound a little different in it. Apparently, about four minutes in, my recording device decided to stop recording and I did not notice. So you're going to hear me strictly on Zoom audio throughout this interview. Hope it's not too distracting. Thank you so much.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Crawl Space Pod and follow Missing CSM as well. Welcome back to the podcast, the one and only
2: James McMahon. How are you today, James? I'm good. I'm good. It's very strange seeing your faces. Having haven't spent such a long time binging your podcasts over the years. It's, um, it's weird, man. It's weird. Human beings, you know, not these sort of <laughs> discombobulated voices. Do people say the same thing about you
1: uh, when they're talking about reading all of your works that you've done and then they see your face and they're like, oh, I've only associated you with words?
2: I'm sure they say far worse than that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stop it. How are you? Are you busy? I feel like you're
2: always doing something. Yeah, no, I am busy actually at the moment. I I appreciate you saying that because I really do try to throw myself into the stuff that I do. Um, But I feel like this year I've been especially busy really just you know, I think it is, could be really easy to <laughs> despair um, about the reality of so many things in our lives. And I still made a bit of a pact with myself at the turn of the year that uh, that was just going to kind of make me kind of like work harder and try and do more things. And, you know, if I had an idea to do something, I was going to kind of jump straight on it and kind of not let that thought, you know, kind of that idea like pass me by, like I hate wasted ideas, um, so yeah, now I'm really busy at the moment, um, working on a book, uh, which is um, like a sort of OCD, music journalism, memoir. You know, I spent years and years working at music magazines. It kind of felt like I had something to talk about again.
0: Good. Well, you're always welcome here. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a great conversation last time, and uh, we invite anyone who hasn't heard that one to go back and check that one out and i i think you you hit a a note that i wanted to mention too james like we have a lot of the same interests um a lot of the stuff you've written about is is horror movies um you've written about uh music you've written about missing people and now bigfoot and these are all things we uh we really love to talk about um on the show and off um and bigfoot especially is one thing that we've been really dying to kind of delve into deeper on the air uh, because it's lighter and it's just a fun topic
2: yeah certainly, man i mean do you let's start this with uh do you believe a hundred percent a hundred percent in wow.
1: well can i back? i want to back up real quick because <laughs> there's tim's virtual background i want to back hey, up real guys. quick because you said something that I want to um, just get a, an answer on and feel free to make it a quick answer. You, you said that you hated uh, wasting ideas. You hated losing ideas. Do you have a technique or a method for keeping these ideas?
2: I mean, I've got a bit of um my wife despairs of this, but I, I have a, uh, I never write an idea down because I've sort of convinced myself over the years that if I have a, Idea and I don't remember it, then it probably wasn't a good idea, um, which my wife thinks is preposterous. But it has always served me kind of pretty well. I think the thing is, is you know, without getting too heavy from the office, you know, I can, I'm sure you've seen from like stuff I've written about or social media or whatever, is that, um, you know, I have OCD, which is quite a, uh, which is kind of the bane of my life, really. And the last couple of years has been a real, voyage of acceptance and education really like trying to learn more about it but also kind of a degree of advocacy which helps me enormously to connect with other people who uh have what i think is an unbelievably misunderstood disorder and i think that i think the thing with ocd is that it can be so all-consuming in terms of brain space that there have been ideas you know, I've always always thought that I'm a really busy creative person, but at the same time, I also know that for a lot of my life, I definitely feel like I've operated at like half capacity, if that, in terms of the space that I have to think about things, because there's always these kind of crazy obsessions, rituals, ruminations kind of going on, which is part of the disorder. And I think that I just kind of reached a point where I went, you know, if you have an idea, do the idea, because otherwise the longer you, not procrastinate, that's the wrong word, but the longer you the longer you don't try and make this a reality, the more time there is for some bonkers... Ah, that's probably a bit frivolous, really. I'm going to go with, like, uh, malignant obsession to kind of creep in, you know? So, yeah, no, I think that's a bit of it. Like, I also... Uh, there's um, there's a book that really changed my life. Years... Couple, well, probably about ten years ago now, which is by a guy called Paul Arden, who was, like, a creative director at Sachi and Sachi, the... Um, the advertising agency. Uh, he's he, he's passed away now, but any of his, I think he wrote three books and any of them are, are worth investigating, but he has this whole kind of thing about, you know, creativity and um, kind of where ideas came from. And uh, like, <laughs> really a lot of his stuff was almost like sort of philosophy, philosophy to me, really. You know, some of it validated things I thought and already and it kind of articulated it for me, but some of it was just, so kind of eye-opening to me. Like, I never really get that writer's block thing, you know? Like, I have loads of sympathy for people who have writer's block, but, like, I don't think it exists um, because I just think that people haven't... um, They don't have the tools to kind of navigate it. And his whole thing was always, you know, if you don't have an idea... Like, you have an idea because you always have something in front of you. So if you don't know what to write about, like, write about the things in front of you and eventually it will lead you out of like the kind of creative malaise that you might have so I don't know I've been lucky to kind of uh, I don't know lucky to kind of stumble upon some uh, wisdom along the way really Also, what el- what else is there you know it's like yeah. you know it's like I don't know I've always wanted to make things and do things and communicate with people and you know kind of try and kind of put good stuff into the world and I just don't really understand what you know kind of people do if you're not doing that but then again I don't have kids you know and there's you know all the people have pressures that I don't have you know so
1: that's a great answer I I, I uh I, I love our conversations because I ask a question like that and I you just get this answer that's so like layered and um you take something from it so yeah
2: well, I, it. I, 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 mean, I do think it's funny that you said I'll oh, feel free to be brief about this and then I launched into a um, launched into a probably <laughs> wordy, layered um, answer. But
1: anyway, I thought you were gonna just say no. I just write them on post-it notes and stick them on my
2: computer. <laughs> no man, post-it notes to the post notes to the enemy, man. Like, like I say, you know, like, I I don't totally know whether that. Um, I don't totally know whether that thing of if you have an idea, if you don't write it down, if you forget it then it probably wasn't a good idea anyway. I don't know how true that is, but I just know that it's always worked for me, you know. But I just genuinely think... I can still remember, like, you know, when I worked at Music Mags, I can... I worked at two Music Mags, which were, like, kind of the two... I mean, the two biggest, like, weekly Music Mags in Britain. And at the second Music Mag I worked at, which is I was the editor, uh, i have been features editor at the first one, which is sort of three or four kind of down the ladder... I was always just kind of revisiting ideas that I didn't utilize ten years before, um, but you know, kind of was just waiting for an opportunity, really. And I always joke about this, like one idea that I never that I've never used, which was I when I worked at the NME, which is like the was my kind of first job in music journalism. There was kind of a, a conversation about kind of how useful live reviews were, like reviewing like live gigs. I mean, certainly it's feels very archaic to think about that in the age that we're living in. But sometimes it was... Uh, some of our reviews could just be quite boring because, um, you know, you go watch a band, the crowd goes wild, and all these kind of cliches just kind of spew out. And I kind of struck upon this idea that maybe we could do a section in the magazine that was called GIGGRAPH, and it was going to be a man dressed as a giraffe that would go to gigs and kind of basically cause a nuisance. He would like crowd surf or I don't know, just sort of try and get backstage or whatever. That's an idea which I've never realised because I think it's a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, But I often kind of come back to kind of what are the ideas that the ones that kind of got away and gig Raph is definitely kind of sat in limbo somewhere, kind of mourning the fact that he, he was never made reality. To be oh honest, if anyone's, if, if, if anyone's listening to this who works for a music magazine, feel free to have graph. Make it happen. That is hilarious. Graph. Because it sounds a bit like Giraffe. That's the funny bit.
0: Yeah, no, I see it. It, it looks that way, too, in my mind.
1: <laughs> totally. Um, I am sorry for derailing the Bigfoot conversation.
2: <laughs> uh, Tim's been very excited about it. He's been... I mean, we we all- can keep pointing it off if you want. Just like... Just as, Tim, just as Tim's about to uh, get into it, just feel free to throw in some sort of tangent. Oh, ab-
1: absolutely. Um, you don't need to invite me into that room uh, many times.
2: <laughs> I, I definitely feel like it's your role in the pair of you uh, in, and what you do, Lance, is to kind of take take a left turn. <laughs> I'll take left, right, so I'll, I'll go backwards.
1: <laughs> I'll travel in time. Um,
0: yeah, color the subject, the topic a little bit. I think I'll usually introduce things, set them up, and he knocks them down. I think that that's the way. Yeah,
2: I tell you what, we'll say is I think the the missing um, rebrand is uh, really smart. I think it's really good. I think when I first, uh, I think when I first heard it, much like any, you know, much like anyone is with change I was a bit like what are they doing they've lost their minds but I mean it's it's, it's smart man because it's um I do think it's amazing the you know resource that you've uh, kind of been working on with the you know the investigations I can't remember the full title the thing with um, Brianna Maitland's dad and yeah you know just using that platform for you know for more good and stuff and also you know it's that thing with you know Maura that you know, you feel like you're kind of about to arrive at some sort of, uh, not a conclusion really, but like you feel like it's kind of moving forward and then it just splinters off into chaos again. So I think that actually, you know, having a wider remit is really smart while also kind of keeping that kind of central investigation going. I think it's good.
0: Thanks a lot. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it it kind of felt natural for us, more of a formalized um I guess shift of of title and everything because we had been covering other cases and working with PIs for the missing for uh, over a year or so now. So yeah, and and you know the the word missing is in both. I mean, it just seemed uh, seemed to work <laughs> for a little for a transition.
2: Yeah, I, it's weird. I was thinking about um, you know, and again, I'm just putting off Bigfoot. But last time I was on, I was talking about I was talking about Andrew Gosden, which is my real kind of uh, you know sort of pet case if that's not too disrespectful to say. Um, And it's kind of been strange, actually, the last kind of like 12 months in that there's there's a real kind of, um, you know, there's a subreddit which is kind of like started and um, there's definitely people who are trying to do the kind of civilian armchair detective thing, uh, which they weren't, you know, before it was like as cold as... It was just this kind of, if you were interested in, you know, mysteries or strange going ons in the UK, like Andrew Gosling was sort of almost, you know, sort of top of the pile. But there wasn't, like, an active community of people who were trying to solve it, for want of a better word. And um, that's definitely become a thing. I don't know how successful it, it, it is going to be or, you know, it ever could be because the thing with that case is that there is just so many dead ends like the thing with and Murray is right from the off, there was just so much to, you know, kind of dig into. Um, but when I've been on that subreddit, I, I have thought to myself that uh, it's definitely been influenced by, you know, kind of what, you know, you guys have done or what kind of surrounds like the kind of, you know, the kind of and Murray community. Like it feels like people are trying to replicate that. So I think that's, I think that's a good thing, you know. But I also think as well that, some of the chaos that you guys have experienced with Maura Murray has already started to creep into this Andrew Goslin stuff as well because, you know, there's been a case of a couple of people getting named on, you know, Reddit that shouldn't be named and, you know, people kind of making speculative claims about, uh you know, people that there's no evidence to kind of attribute to them. So it's definitely a kind of, there's definitely two ways of looking at it, but it is hard to kind of spend any time on there which I will do at four o'clock in the morning whenever I can't sleep and not think about you guys, you know?
0: Cool. Yeah. Thanks for, for keeping us in your mind. Um, yeah. And I think that that's sort of a slippery slope. And I think on a, on a place like Reddit, it, it's important to have, a, uh, rules and, uh, someone or people who can moderate that, you know, in Reddit or Facebook groups or something like that.
2: Yeah. So do you want to talk about Bigfoot then? <laughs> I really do.
0: I really do. Please guys, stop diverting.
2: So <laughs> So Lance is a
1: believer. Oh, I'm totally a believer, um, and I wish more people were believers. Uh, you know, we—I don't know if you're familiar with this gentleman, Christopher Garitano, but he has a show, and we we do a, a show on our network with him. But he said, you know, it's just like hard to imagine that there are things in such deep areas of the wilderness that are what are I have have that don't have the capability to watch us and know to hide and know that, you know, we're, 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 we're not a friendly, I mean, that's not exactly what he said, but we are not the only things. And it's like with aliens too, you know, there's there, we are a bit arrogant if we're thinking that this is the end all and be all, and there's no other life form that has achieved any sort of intelligence close to what we have. So I fully believe That there could be something with almost our intelligence out there deep in the woods, getting the occasional uh, sighting from time to time and and knowing enough to see us and watch us from the distance and 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 retreat when necessary. Um, Quick anecdote I am dying to run through my new neighborhood in a Bigfoot costume during a snowstorm. It was snowing the other night and my girlfriend and I were having dinner. And I said, if we had a Bigfoot costume here, I would, I would leave and go run through the neighborhood. And then we formed this whole plan about where we would hide the costume so I could change and, uh, and how we could pull it off and, and just read like the, um, the community Facebook page. I mean, having sightings.
2: Having spent a little bit of time I I wrote this piece for the the face, uh which is a kind of recently relaunched like the face do you know the do you know the face? So the face was like um it was like a well legendary style magazine in Britain. Um kind of came out of like kind of post punk and kind of through eighties and new wave and um right into the noise, I think, but it got it got relaunched um, a couple of years ago, and I did this piece for them about British Bigfoot because I met this guy called Harry Rose um, a couple of well, probably five years ago now, maybe maybe a bit less uh, at this this London Fortean Society talk. Do you know about Forteans? So I'm trying to remember no. the I'm trying to remember the um, the name the guy who learns his name to it. But basically, to be Fortean is to kind of have like a a sceptical mind, Charles Fort, that's his name. So he was like um, a guy in Victorian times, yeah, born 1874, um, died 1932, yeah. And he was like kind of like a researcher in kind of, you know, strange phenomena, but he kind of devised like a set of rules that you would approach this stuff by, which would be, you know, kind of not kind of blindly accepting of, um, you know, kind of superstition like this stuff kind of had to be proved beyond a shadow of a doubt and there's uh, th- there was a magazine in Britain for years called, uh, well it still exists actually but I just haven't been to a news agent in a long time, uh, called the 14 Times which is like a, a magazine about strange phenomena and there's like a society that meets in London called the London 14 Society and they'll have talks every, um, every month about Oh, I don't know like um Springhill Jack you know that was a kind of a a rumoured cryptic uh, cryptid stroke um kind of supernatural entity that terrorized Victorian London or um I went to one that was about Bella in the Witch Elm which is a kind of famous unsolved murder um in Birmingham I believe where they found like human remains like inside a tree and it kind of points to some sort of, some kind of ritual, you know, anyway, I'm being very long winded, but I went to this talk about British Bigfoot and met this guy called Harry Rose, who is a photographer who'd gone and spent a load of time out in Wales um, looking for British Bigfoot or the green man, which is, is kind of, it's known in that part of the world. And just kind of like love the idea of, you know, Bigfoot's as American as anything I can think of. You know, it's Ronald McDonald or, you know, Bill Clinton on a saxophone or whatever. It's like an American icon, you know. (laughs) And I love the idea of this kind of British take on it. I think that, like, it's strange, you know. I mean, I I don't... I I do believe in some quite strange things within Britain, which is obviously such a small landmass compared to where you guys are. But, you know, I believe that there are ABCs and I believe there are alien big cats is what you would call it like you know there was a quite a famous case where i'm from in south yorkshire of you know some people who thought they'd seen a tiger and you know i think stuff escapes private collections and things like that but i'm not sure that i my personal belief is i'm not sure that you know britain could sustain um, you know an intelligent human life form but on the occasions i've been to the states like you guys are like, um, how far are you from Boston?
0: Oh, very close.
2: Yeah, so I went to Boston probably ten years ago, and I'm trying to remember where it was that we kind of where I stayed, but it was on the kind of outskirts. And I remember kind of kind of getting um, driven through some forest, and I remember kind of thinking, yeah, I've got no idea what could be in lo- the, you know, I could, I you could definitely have something living in that forest that no one knows what it is, you know, but. I just think it's sort of so strange that mm. no one can no one can like focus their camera you know like when they see this stuff or what
0: are you talking about Patterson Patterson Gimlet
2: look at that I mean this is the thing though man It's that's been, that's been disproved like so many times
0: What?
2: well I mean again though it's like it's almost that sort of uh, kind of Mulder Fox Mulder thing of like I want to believe really you know it's like I almost kind of don't, I almost kind of, when people want to, when they want to like critique this stuff, it kind of irritates me. I wanted to stay in, um, you know about Nessie, obviously, right?
0: Yes, definitely.
2: So I went to Loch Ness again, sort of maybe like five years ago and stayed right on the kind of shore. And like, I've been obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster since I was a little kid. And I was like, I mean, I was convinced that I would, kind of wake up one morning like step onto the patio of this hotel we were staying in which was like this kind of old monastery on the banks of Loch Ness and I would just see Nessie like that was like how things were supposed to be like I dreamt of that since being like a little kid and I came away from it basically sure that Nessie didn't exist and you know because there's like some visitor centres and that explain the kind of science of it and things I've never really kind of bothered to actually sort of dig into really. I just like the idea of there being a you know kind of a prehistoric hangover living in this massive kind of space of water, but I just came away from it just feeling really miserable. Like I want like I don't know man. Like I wanna believe, you know? Like I, I almost kind of preferred believing and that being based on no factual basis rather than actually coming away and being a realist you know
0: well how dare you wait for evidence uh with this kind of thing i i don't know what do you what are you doing
2: it's not i mean it's not an age to uh i mean ev- evidence isn't like really in, in in fashion right now in so many <laughs> elements of the world isn't it not yeah. fair. that's one of the things that like 20 um 2020 2021 it's really ruined conspiracy theories for me I love conspiracy oh, yeah. theories. I can talk conspiracy theories all day, but conspiracy theories are basically ruining the world. Like I miss the days when conspiracy theories were fun.
0: Yeah. Harmless. Yeah.
2: I mean, how
1: fun was it to discuss the uh, flat earth or Bigfoot, but you know, like discussing flat earth and, and trying to disprove it. And there was really no danger there, right? Those, or, or there was no perceived danger. I just saw a documentary. I forgot what it's called. I think it's called uh, searching for the flat earth and it all connects to QAnon. Everyone who was into Flat Earth somehow was connected to QAnon. And I I thought the same thing. I was like, Flat Earth used to be something that was that would challenge like the your your, your brain as you tried to explain why it didn't exist to flat Earth believers. And now again, it felt harmless. But you're right. Like these conspiracies are no longer harmless. They're no longer they're no longer fun. They're, they're no longer a conversation that can just end with a laugh.
0: But, but the paranormal stuff that, that can still have paranormal. Yeah.
2: The proud boys aren't going to ruin ghosts for me. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) I refuse. Um, No, like I don't know. Give them some time. Yeah, no, totally. I think that I think it's, it's weird that I wrote this piece for, um, you know, being like really interested in mental health. Like, I wrote this piece for a, a magazine in the UK called Prospects so that it was about um, almost kind of like where, like when conspiracy theories get dangerous and whether there was any kind of like link between, you know, depression or poor mental health and conspiracies. Um, I, I'm, I'm very kind of like cautious about kind of, you know, playing amateur psychologist and like diagnosing people without, you know, knowing what I'm doing basically, but so I, have, I thought wondered whether there was any kind of like link between like depression and a belief in conspiracy. And there's been loads of research that's been done on it that suggests there probably is. And I do think that, you know, you probably don't need a, a doctorate in this stuff to think that the um, dislocation that people feel in the modern world probably kind of ties into, um, or, you know, kind of the lack of faith in institutions, government or... Um, you know, kind of those established systems that sort of basically kept the world ticking over to a degree, then being eroded has kind of led to people kind of believing this kind of strange stuff. And I have had a couple of friends who, you know, really close friends who thankfully have come out of the other side that, um, you know, have said some strange things to me. And like when I've dug into it a little bit more, I've realised that the problem really isn't that they sort of believe this stuff per se, but that they've had all the problems in their lives. Um, not that that's a kind of like, oh, you know, let's look at everyone who was at the kind of capital riots and kind of feel sorry for them. But I do think that it says something larger about the state of the world as opposed to just people believing crazy stuff. It's it's weird. Um, in that Bigfoot piece that I did for The Face, Harry Rose, one of the guys I speak to, he, very similar to me, was like obsessed with Bigfoot as a little kid... Love the idea of there being, uh, you know, kind of in, like another intelligent life form, kind of doing their thing. And he kind of realised that when... <laughs> he realised when he was in, um, you know, when he was in way over his head, like in a tent kind of up a hill in Wales, kind of two months in, he realised that this really was about like the death of his dad. His dad had died, um, you know, kind of not long before... And this was really kind of him almost like trying to connect with like a a memory of you know kind of when things were happier like when he was a kid or this was kind of like too much space in that you know too much kind of space in his head or too much time in his hands or whatever and I do think that I don't know almost like the sociological side of this stuff is almost as interesting as the mystery itself, you know it's a bit like what you guys were doing in the beginning with your uh um, Murray documentary, you know that it was almost it was not so much well it was it was about the kind of the mystery but it was also about the people who had kind of taken this on
0: absolutely yeah and uh yeah we have a guest um that we just interviewed this week, coming up on Crawl Space. His name is Jatarth and he was a uh QAnon follower and he sort of theorized that trauma led a lot of people to like personal trauma in people's lives led them to becoming um, you know, really into that conspiracy. So I think what you're saying is a lot of what that person said who, you know, he would he would know, I think, in a lot of cases.
2: I say, I, say, I, I... I, I really, do, without being too kind of like of a, too much of a doom-monger about this, like I do really wonder what you know what what we're going to be like if there is a, a the other side of COVID. Because I just think people are just rattling around in their heads, you know. Um, it's sometimes so strange, you know, like having when I was on about OCD, like you know, OCD is so I can't even explain what it's kind of like if if you kind of don't have it, you know. It's kind of characterized as this. You know, kind of about order and symmetry and um, you know cleanliness, and and there is a degree of, of that to it, but it's it's so it's so much more than that. You know, like there's this kind of facet of OCD called magical thinking, which is where you kind of believe you have thoughts that you think can influence like the the non physical world, and like my stuff kind of like skirts on that, like. Um, But I've had had kind of treatment and I can quite often, well, always really like go, oh, that's not how the world works. That's crazy. You know, like there is no just because like you've seen this yellow car doesn't mean that this is a fact or whatever. And there is times sometimes where I just think, you know, being part of that kind of community and we're like some of the sanest people I've ever met, you know. And like and yet there's all of this chaos going on in our brains, but people who are just kind of being pushed to the fringes of society just think things are far stranger, I think.
1: Do you think that there is some otherworldly type uh force that is conducting this test on on humanity? (laughs) Because it is a test.
2: I mean, that's uh, that's not where I thought this was going to go. <laughs> I I mean, it's weird, man, because it's like, you know, I, again, like I often think with, you know, the thing with. So that I had a thing for years with like coincidence. You know, I would have like st- like sh- like strangest coincidence. You know, like I would listen to a song, and I would find out, you know, kind of, fifteen minutes later that like the person who's written that song had died, you know, like it would come up on Twitter or, you know, just just like little things like kind of thinking of someone and then them calling straight away. And I guess that kind of before I really understood a lot about OCD, like I thought there was something I thought there was something in that, you know, like there was definitely part of me in my younger days that kind of went, oh, you know, is that is that part of the cosmos? You know, is that like part of like who we are as humans, you know? And especially someone who's interested in this stuff, you know, is interested in know mk ultra or you know like all of the weird shit that we like you know
0: is it the universe speaking with you
2: totally you know and 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 i'm not particularly religious but i think i've got kind of like spiritual beliefs you know so like where does that kind of play a part in it all and i just think a little bit with me like i have to go you know i'm i'm aware of how strange the brain can be so you know i was thinking about this yesterday I, i was i put out a little shout out on Twitter. I'm kind of looking for some stories at the moment, some things to kind of pitch around and write about. And I put, and I always try, again, it kind of goes back to that kind of creativity or kind of ideas. Um, you know, when I'm kind of struggling about things to write about, I will often, you know, I'll just watch documentaries or I'll just listen to podcasts or um, sometimes I'll just say to people, like, what's the weirdest things that's ever happened to you? And I did that shout out on Twitter yesterday, and loads of people were telling me, most of it was like um, paranormal related. And people were telling me some like crazy stories, you know. Like some of them on like DMs, it was just I was having a hoot. Um, and I, I've only ever really had what I think is like one paranormal experience, which is that I had some friends years ago who constantly told me that they lived in a house and they'd seen a ghost. And uh, I was obviously fascinated by that because you know ghost rock. But I was also really sceptical, you know, because, you know, I think that's the best way to approach kind of things. And I remember being around there one night and the, my friends, they were a couple and the woman went off into the kitchen and said, Hey, would you like a cup of tea? I said, I'd love a cup of tea. Probably like 20 seconds later, I felt a hand on my shoulder and I said, thank you. And then, I no one replied and I turned around and no one was there and she was still in the kitchen. She hadn't even put the kettle on at that point. And I was always like, that's really strange. I feel like I've been touched and kind of gripped in this house where people say that they keep seeing this thing. But at the same time, like, I, I can't run with that, you know? Like, you have to go... You have to, you know, knowing how tricksy and difficult like the brain can be, you can't just go, oh, yeah, well, that's obviously proof that there's a you know supernatural entity because I know myself how, how strange thoughts I can have because of the OCD, you know? So, you know, what else is going on there? Is there some sort of like, and again, I'm saying this without, you know, kind of not having no academic knowledge of any of this, but is there something inside of us that, I don't know, Feels, feels, and sees the things that we want to see, you know. Like how much of that has got to do with it. So yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure whether there is some sort of like. like, I'm not sure whether this is all all a test, but I definitely still feel like we're we are at the beginning of our species, still trying to make sense of so many things, and and that we don't, and that we don't know half what we think we do.
1: Ooh, yeah good stuff
2: so so, uh when did you fire up the Ouija board when you were in that house oh man no no I didn't in that house I mean the Ouija board thing's weird isn't it because like you know I think the Ouija board's a really good example of almost what I'm saying really in that you know I've done Ouija boards because you know I'm a you know I was once a teenager who liked heavy metal and horror movies and like You know, kind of weird stuff's happened, but I I can't really kind of buy into the Ouija board thing because it feels a little bit like, I don't know, like thinking, oh, yeah, I can communicate with the other side via a Rubik's Cube. You know, it's like a kid's toy, you know? Like, how how is that a thing, you know? Like, if there is a kind of spirit world, are they all like, oh, well, you know, can't speak to these guys yet. But, you know, when they get out that kid's toy, like that'll really help us be able to connect with them. Um, and I sometimes wonder whether when I've done a Ouija board and a glass has been whizzing around on a, a, you know, on a board, which, which is a thing that's happened, like how much of that is like, I don't know, when people are together, are they able to kind of synchronise consciousness? You know, I, that to me probably seems more believable than a kid's toy being a vessel to communicate with, you know, the other side. We've got to be really careful that we don't end up becoming you know this doesn't end up becoming info warts you know but i think that we're all i think we're all smart empathetic questioning enough for that not to happen
0: yeah i think we're okay um
2: <laughs> hopefully says the man in front of a, a man in a gorilla <laughs> costume. <laughs>
0: Right. I think, I think it's, you know, keeping an open mind is important with all this stuff. You know, I think being able to even consider that you're wrong or that your previous beliefs were just wrong is really important.
2: I mean, that's, that's why we're all, I think that's why we've all been led to this stuff really anyway, isn't it? Like, I think we all want to, I think for me, I've questioned so much like, what is it that, you know, what is it that interests me about this stuff? And I think it's kind of wanting magic to still exist in a sense, I don't think it's any coincidence that when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like magic shows before I was obsessed with any of this stuff. You know, I don't know. I definitely feel like we are kindred spirits, you know, in this way, like what kind of led to it for you guys? Well, I think you,
0: you just hit on something there too. Like, uh, you know, I do want to believe in this stuff too. And I want to believe in magic. I want to believe in, Bigfoot and ghosts and aliens and a big part of me when you asked that question i was really thinking about it about bigfoot do i believe and i think my answer would have to be the same about bigfoot and with um deep space and with deep sea i think there are things there that we don't know yet um and i part of me thinks anything less than being open about that is too close-minded um but I admit that there's not any solid proof yet. And, and that's kind of weird. Um, a part of me was kind of trying to joke a little while ago about uh, what could help depression during COVID is declassification of uh, UFOs, but that's just me kind of hoping.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, the UFOs are like a
2: no brainer, right?
0: <laughs> okay. I think they're all in the kind of in the same bucket. Um, and and you brought up one that I never even heard of: ABCs, a alien big cats. I'm all about it. Let's let let's, let's talk get about right alien in.
1: big cats.
0: <laughs> well, well, tra- transporting or or a shape a shapeshifter, right? Lan- Lance automatically assumed Bigfoot was less intelligent than humans. How do we know Bigfoot isn't more intelligent or have the ability to shapeshift? I'll go on mute now. I mean, I think that-
2: <laughs> I think it was- I think there's sometimes something in. Um- I don't know. It's like, you know, we, you know, we think that we are this, you know, the smartest species, you know, on the planet. But at the same time, there are days when I kind of, you know, I'm sat on my laptop where I'm like, we have got life completely wrong. Like, you know, like I've got guinea pigs, right. And like, you know, they are my pride and joy. And me and my wife will sometimes just like stand and look at guinea pigs, just like, you know, just with hay all over his face. Like just having a whale of a time and think, have we really got it right? You know, when I'm, scra- I'm scrabbling around on a Sunday night trying to do a tax return or, you know, she's, she works in music, you know, she's stressing about the music industry falling apart because no one can tour or whatever. There is part of me going like, would I be happy if I was a guinea pig? I think that, like, um, I mean, for me, that's You're like... about the ABCs. ABC, Sesame Street. I think that that one's really... I mean, that one's just obvious to me, you know, like because a lot of this stuff just comes down to, like you know, just just comes down to logic, you know, like, there are loads, so in in this case, you know, there are loads of zoos in the UK. I'm, you know, su- I've always been really super interested in, like, wildlife and the natural world and stuff, like, you know, me and my wife kind of joke that you know, we don't, like, go to the pub, like, we'll go to, like, a wildlife park. It's, like, a thing for us, you know. And, like, I've been to some places that really, really should be shut down, you know, and like you go, I think that that animal could get over that fence, and I'm not totally sure whether anyone would even notice, you know. And like there have been loads of stories like that in the UK, with the Bigfoot, um, the British Bigfoot story that I wrote. When you kind of dug into sightings in the area I went to, which is Setford Forest, um, which is in kind of like Norfolk, um, Suffolk, in in the UK, like there'd been sightings of like bears there. You know, like in in the seventies, and obviously, like bears aren't like indigenous to like Britain. But you know, when I was a little kid, like you know, before like society knew better, like circuses were all over the country. Like I'm, sh- you know, I definitely remember going to circuses like a little kid and like seeing like performing animals, which makes me shudder thinking that you know the memory that that was a thing. But you know, people lose stuff. You know, like. <laughs> You know, what's to say that like, you know, someone didn't lose a bear, you know, people were talking about seeing bears in the you know seventies and stuff. So and I also just think with like the whole alien big cats, is like British people have been talking about seeing wild cats, not like not wild cats, but like seeing big cats, panthers, leopards, and so on in Britain for, you know, decades. So that for me is like a a no-brainer. The same with like the UFO stuff is that if you really allow yourself to think about like space, time, galaxy, all of that, I mean, firstly, I think it's a route to madness because how could you ever comprehend that? But of course there's aliens, you know? Of course there are, you know? Like, that's, of course. And and to be honest, there was a point last year following the news cycle where it was, you know, every day was just, like, this roulette wheel of weirdness where I was like, it's going to be UFOs next. Like, aliens, this is, this is it. Aliens are going to get confirmed, like, any day now. And I still think that that's going to happen... And this is a timescale based on, you know, no evidence whatsoever. But I, I st- my gut still tells me that's going to be soon. You know, I'm like fairly certain of it, you know?
0: I, I think you're, I kind of feel like you're right. And I agree it's not based on much, but there are, there have been a million sightings like uh, over the years, but I, I mean, mostly starting in like the fifties in America, at least uh, from my perspective, uh, over on this side of the pond, but um. the government has been declassifying more and more documents recently, the video lately that was really uh, interesting and more documents lately that I haven't really dug into um, yet. So I think there's some hope there. But okay, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe in Bigfoot, where are all the sightings from? Every single person is making all this stuff up.
2: Well, I mean, your co-host, you know, like Lance, the great Lance, has basically just talked about his desire to wear a gorilla costume and go running through the snow. So, Just going to say, like, yes, exactly. (laughs) So I think that that's, you know, that explains a lot of it, you know. Like, I mean, there are, like, all the time there are people who, I mean, every year there are species that we thought were extinct that, you know, turn up on people's radars. So the idea of there being a new species or an undiscovered species, I don't think is totally beyond the realms of comprehension. And I think that with Bigfoot, when you start digging into it and realise that every country, whether it's like the, the the Yowie in Australia or, you know, the Green Man in Britain or whatever, like every every society has, um, has their own Bigfoot, you know, their own version. So, you know, logic would suggest there's maybe something in it, but you would have thought by now, like we would have found a carcass.
0: Well, um, I do want to mention that uh, Boston actually does have its very own Yeti, um, and this happened a few years ago during a snowstorm, uh, the Boston Yeti that you can Google, and uh, it was actually a, a Somerville, Massachusetts resident named John Capopiano, a 30-year-old uh, guy who uh, decided to dress up as Yeti and walk around during the blizzard. So this, this has been done before, uh, in Boston specifically.
2: Did he say his name was Lance?
0: <laughs> Amazingly, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Lance would be a copycat.
1: I would. I I totally forgot about the Boston Yeti. That was during that brutal winter where we had just we just kept getting slammed by snow. And you know what that did? That that created some sort of lightness to that really long cold. <laughs> snow-filled winter to get these like updates that the boston yeti was seen again and it's so funny to see him on like beacon street <laughs> in like a yeti costume hilarious
2: i do may i do lean towards there maybe is something that we think is the yeti no i do i do think there is maybe um i do think there's maybe something in the in the himalayas you know like oh yeah, I, I, there's, uh, I think there was some research that was done by Oxford University. Um, I think it was 2017 that maybe suggested that it was, um, you know, an oversized kind of prehistoric hangover that was some some form of polar bear, and uh, that kind of that kind of rang a bell with me. That kind of made me think, oh, you know, maybe there's kind of something in that. Um, now, what I was going to say was my real uh the wormhole i that i'm so well worm or rabbit hole i'm so kind of far down at the moment is where do you stand on the smiley face killers
1: oh my the, the smiley face killer i mean i think it's i i don't want to cast any shade on anyone who's investigating the smiley face killer but at some point or killers it's the same thing with the with the bigfoot theory right like no one's seen anything like no one's talked if you're going to have this uh connected like interconnected network of serial killers all over the country and their calling card is the smiley face graffiti i mean how how are you connecting these in the first place how has no one talked and it's really easy to to identify bodies that were dumped right so if someone's murdered and then they're they're dumped where do you typically dump a body probably in an area that has some form of graffiti. I mean, you don't dump a body in a pristine location. You try to dump a body in an area where it's shady and uh, you know, just like the, the other side of the tracks and how much of how, how how much graffiti has a smiley face in it? Probably a a, a huge percentage, but that, that all being said, I do really appreciate the energy that people put into things
2: like that. Yeah. It's a weird one that though, isn't it? Because it's um you know my general feeling on on serial killers is that and i you know don't misinterpret what i'm trying to say here because you know serial killers man they can they can do one you know but i generally find that serial killers are, are boring you know like the the reason why i'm kind of interested in like true crime well i mean you know apart from the sort of hope that you can help like victims and people who've suffered but also it is that kind of sociological side of things. of trying to understand why people do the things they do like serial killers. I think we sometimes kind of fall down this hole of thinking that, you know, serial that all serial killers are like the Zodiac, you know? And I sort of have like a belief that I, I have a belief that the Zodiac probably, probably wasn't one person, you know, like that. It sort of almost like, um, you know, it was kind of a crime and then there was a copycat and then that was kind of built upon and it kind of became this and, I was listening. There's this podcast I'm really enjoying at the moment called "The Apology Line," which is like a wondery thing. So it's like a great story, but that is delivered in a really irritating way because it's a wondery podcast. But it's this story about this guy in New York who basically kind of like went around the uh, went around Manhattan, like printing a phone number on a piece of paper, saying, you know, if you've done anything wrong in your life, like, you know, this is an opportunity to call and confess. Like, I'm not in tandem with the police. It's just somewhere to go and, like, you know, unload um, your wrongdoings, absolve yourself, basically. You know, and there was a guy ringing up saying he was Zodiac, and there was no way he was Zodiac, but, you know, he, he had the whole kind of patter of, you know, this is the Zodiac speaking and everything that he'd obviously kind of, like, read. But that's the thing with the Smiley Face Killers, is that I think the people who do this stuff, you know, the people who take lives, like, there's no artistry to it, you know? They're not, like... Kevin Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey, yeah. You know, like, they're not like, you know, in very few cases, they're kind of seeing what they do as, like, art, you know, or a craft. Like, it's more carnal than that, you know? And I think the idea that somehow there is this, you know, sort of nefarious network of, you know, wrongdoers who, you know, leave a calling card of a smiley face or, you know, sort of somehow on encrypted communication devices like, kind of doing this in tandem with each other is it's like a Blumhouse movie or something you know which I actually think it is a horror movie at the moment I'm sure I saw that the other day on the streaming service do you not think that some of them are murders
0: yeah yeah I think I think absolutely some of them are murders I think some of them are suicides some of them are probably accidental deaths um but yeah I think to to think that they're all connected or a lot, even a lot of them are connected is just way too much coordination to actually happen, I think. I mean, we see it. Just look at every anyone out there listening. Look at your life and how coordinated things are with you and your friends and how often people uh, are late or uh, mess up the directions or just anything. You know, Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. So I, there's just zero chance in my mind that this is a huge coordinated network um now could there be a couple of them sure there could be a few connected here and there but definitely an anomaly
2: the other thing though is i agree with everything you're saying there but like when i was watching the capital riots the other day which was so bonkers man like i was i was in the middle of um, there's a there's a psychiatrist in britain called david veal dr david veal who is like uh, he's quite a groundbreaking Kind of voice on on OCD, and he was doing a kind of a Zoom that evening on um, sort of the science of sleep. Uh, and um, unsurprisingly, for someone who has all this stuff bouncing around their heads like I'm not always great with sleep. So, you know, I was kind of listening to this this talk. I checked Twitter because obviously I'm a hopeless addict, and you know, saw the footage of people trying to get into the Capitol, and you know, obviously was in, you know, complete disbelief. And then, like, which which was a real juxtaposition with this, you know, kind of very clever, um, you know, academic, kind of basically talking about relaxation and peace and mindfulness and so on. Um, But the more and more I dig into the fallout of uh, the capital riots, which I think is obviously going to be going on for years, the more I think, well, yeah, like lots of people can coordinate to do really bad things because the more and more you, like, dig into that stuff, I mean, that stuff runs deep, man, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: but just imagine if there was, uh, any real coordination with that riot. Um, we, you know, I, I don't think there really was much other than, you know, a, a march and, or a rally and then people marched that way. And then there was kind of just anarchy in my opinion, but I do see what you're saying. I think it could have been a lot worse. I think, but,
2: it's, I think it's that thing when I, when you start reading about, um, like people who were involved, like, you know, having been on tours, like, in the kind of months, like, leading up to it or, you know, how much, um, again, you know, you've got to be careful of not becoming Alex Jones, aren't you? But, again, that whole kind of thing of, like, were doors left open, you know, were did people turn a blind eye to things, which I, I'm definitely in, in a space of kind of reading about it but still trying to kind of authenticate how real this is and how much this is. You know, spin or you know, inverted commas, fake news. You know, but it does. It did kind of make the thing that frightened me so much about it was this idea that, this idea that the you know the unthinkable, you know, could happen. You know, the idea that like, like lots of people when they get together could be coordinated to do something, which was you know so terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little of column A and a little of column B, I think, because the coordination was there to the point where they showed up at this rally and then the coordination was there on the other side where the instigators knew how to instigate and knew how to fire them up. And then you have this uh, gray area where for whatever reason they were allowed to, and there's footage, this isn't, this isn't conspiracy. There's footage of officers and, and people who were put in charge to keep the rally at a certain uh, place opened up gates and they, yeah. they were allowed to get to that point on the stairs. And that's where I think the chaos comes into play, because I don't think they even realized they were going to get that close. And then they realize how far they were into it. Yeah. There's no turning back. I mean, some people did turn back and that's not talked about a lot, but people got one woman got trampled to death because they were yeah. Yeah. they 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 just got caught up in the absolute chaos and anarchy of it. And I mean, the loss of lives of uh, the officer last night was, uh, Officer Sicknick was laid in honor in the state capitol. And that was the first time since the late 90s, they did that to a non congressperson person to, to lay them in honor. And he's laying in state right now. It's mind boggling that that happened. And that happened because of the chaos that ensued after the coordination. And again, like, imagine if they coordinated to storm the capitol. Like imagine if it wasn't like oh wow we're on the Capitol steps,
2: to like yeah no, I, I think that's I think that's a really good take on it actually in that like it it wasn't it wasn't kind of this network of people who were coordinated but there was a degree of there was a degree of that and there was a degree of just like rabble, you know like almost like like militar like um weaponizing like idiots basically it kind of reminded me a bit of like when I was a kid like I, I support a football team soccer proper football and um we had like a we had this kind of crazed corrupt chairman my football team is called Doncaster Rovers which you know when you come and edit this please keep that in because i do like the fact that the true crime community will be aware of Doncaster Rovers and uh, we had this crazy corrupt chairman who uh, tried to burn down the ground um, for the uh, for the insurance money. And there was, like, regular protests, like, when I was growing up. So you'd go to a match, and you knew when you went to the match that you weren't going to watch it. You knew that, like, within 15 minutes, everyone would have ran on the pitch and kind of sat in the centre circle and tried to get the game cancelled. Um, and that was your way of registering, like, your disapproval with, like, what was happening. And <laughs> I'll always remember, like, getting on the pitch... And then once you're on the pitch, you're like, well, what am I going to do now, you know? And, like, some like normally I would just kind of walk around and go, it's kind of cool, I'm on a football pitch, you know? But, like, some people would, like, you know, start doing stupid stuff, like, you know, digging up the goalposts or, you know, kind of wanton kind of destruction, you know? It reminded me of that, really, where people were a bit like, oh, my God, like, like we're past security. Like, what are we going to do now? And, like, a lot of them were just taking selfies, weren't they? So, we should, you know chaos man
1: there's still some really bad shit crazy people in positions of, of uh, amazingly in, produ- in in positions to to make uh a lot of uh, uh further chaos but um there's there's a bit more of that humanitarian sense and uh checks and balances right now i just feel like it's going in the right direction and yeah yeah uh, really trying to hold on to hope there
2: i think there's that i think that's almost kind of you know looping around to so the stuff that we're kind of interested in really like you know it's almost like kind of like controlled like controlled weirdness you know rather than the actual kind of you know this like stuff that i've been obsessed with and thought about kind of all my life and it's just not none of it's as weird as like the news cycle and like none of it's as like you know some of the true crime stuff you know none of it's it's, it's kind of crazy because a lot of those kind of like rules of what you thought was possible or the way the world works, like they've all been like, you know, torpedoed. It reminds me a bit of like, you know, the kind of Ariel Castro stuff, you know, like I remember yeah. when, I remember when that happened and like, he was a fucking knobhead, wasn't he? Like when that happened, I remember being like, yeah, all better off now, you know, like missing people, literally anyone could be in anyone's basement. And I know that's kind of a really crass thing to say, but it really kind of changed my way of thinking about it. Of Just going, oh, right, that's an evil that I didn't think was possible. So, yeah, now sticking with Bigfoot, man. Bigfoot never lets you down. Bigfoot,
1: the Yetis doesn't let you down. What's, what's amazing is that I still don't know what the alien big cat is.
2: Oh well, no no! It's, it's, it's I mean they're not aliens, like but alien in the sense that they're not like native to an area. So ah. it's, it's the idea of people seeing. Well, that said, there are some people who believe that they are shapeshifters, or there are people who, you know, there is a kind of subset with British Bigfoot, for example, of people who believe that. And this makes it more fantastical in my in my view. You know, it's like I can maybe kind of get on board with the idea that there is like a, a you know creature that, you know, we don't know what it is, but there are people who believe that it, you know, only appears to children or, you know, it's, um, you know, there's almost something extraterrestrial about it. But no, there there are people who believe that there are like, there's like the Beast of Bodmin Moor. Have you heard of that? Have you ever been, been to Britain?
0: No, never been to Britain. And I only know, um, you said the Beast of Broadmoor only from your article where it references it as the likely starting point of uh, probably my favorite movie ever, An American Werewolf in London.
2: I mean, the thing that's brilliant about Britain is that, like, it's just, I mean, it's not, that's not a phrase I've actually said very, much, very often, <laughs> but the thing that's brilliant about Britain is that, you know, it's the modern world, but it, it's ancient as well, you know? Like, it's one of the things that's so interesting about, um, I, there's a really good podcast the light that I've read this but there's a really good podcast called Weird Norfolk um, which is run by a couple of women uh, Stacia and Sophia who I spoke to for that um, Bigfoot article who uh, you know are, are in, based in Norwich they're journalists they're based in Norwich and they have this podcast called Weird Norfolk which is um, about kind of like strange folklore and um, not so much that like kind of like weird goings on, but more sort of like the weird history of the place. And it's dead interesting when you start looking at that part of the world because you've got like the Rendlesham uh, incident, which was like an alleged UFO sighting in the 80s uh, over like a military base. And, um, you know, kind of like it was that part of the world was really notorious for like uh, witch burnings, you know, and kind of the medieval times. Matthew Hopkins who was like the witch general in England at that time like you know he used to kind of ride around on his horse and you know kind of burning women in this sort of you know bid to be like the era's you know greatest misogynist and like uh, this kind of like mythology about mermaids in that part of the world and it's that thing of like there's like an ancient nature to Britain of yeah you know you've got all of the kind of trimmings and trappings of the modern world, but at the same time, you know, it's only kind of, I don't know, only like a thousand years ago, you know, kind of people believe, kind of, some, you know, they believe in kind of, you know, kind of pagan beliefs, you know. I always think about Stonehenge and just think that, you know, however many miles away from London, you know, like a like a two-hour car journey from London, there are these massive rocks in the middle of a field and no one knows what they are. That's crazy to me, you know. And it's it's no diss on America because you know so many things I love about America, but I always kind of think that when you go to like a big American city and you kind of go, you know, people say, "Oh, you know, this is like a hundred years old," and you're like, "My parents' house is like a hundred years old," you know. <laughs> um, but you know, you're. I think your part of the world is like quite similar in that in regards. You know, how far are you from Salem? From Salem? You're not far at all. Oh, I'm I'm like 15 minutes from Salem. Oh man, if I lived if I lived in part of the world, I just think I'd get to Salem every day. Just to be oh. like, hey, I'm in Salem. In the
1: over the uh over the summer we went probably like almost every weekend. They stood they had places that had outdoor seating and they were really good about the social distancing and everything. And if you're going to be outside if you need to get out, there's no better place to walk around than Salem. It's it is incredible. You know, it's yeah, so. No, totally.
2: Yeah, no, come but, to Britain. if you. If we're ever allowed to kind of get on on planes and kind of uh, mingle again, and I'll take you to some weird places. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Same. Same here. Same here.
0: And I would love to see Stonehenge, but you said that we, no one knew uh, how those rocks were put there. I was pretty sure that we knew that Bigfoot put those there.
2: I think we've just solved one of uh, one of the most enduring mysteries uh, that the world has ever queried. See, that's. It. I was just. I was just thinking. There's been parts. There's been parts of this podcast as I as I think that we approach the inevitable end. There's been parts of this podcast where I've gone. This could be the lowest. Uh, this this could be the episode of crawlspace Space which is had, which people have been most disinterested in, or most interested in. Who knows? I feel like it's right on the line. But I do think the fact that we have just solved the mystery of both Bigfoot and Stonehenge is quite the revelation and if people have made it this far then well done <laughs>